stuff, and I uh, don't apologize for it. Even I didn't write it, but I appreciate the one who did. And so we're going to go through tonight talking about ladies, young ladies. So I've got one more left. If anybody needs one, Daniel, hang on to it because I know Joshua and Frank are probably still coming in. I hope they're coming in. Hope they're not out pushing a van in the snow somewhere. Uh, but anyhow, they'll probably be walking in here pretty soon. Let's go ahead and uh, read the Proverbs 31 memory text. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. And Proverbs 31, we're going to look at that later, but Proverbs 31 is the classic passage for a godly lady. And every young lady should be reading that and thinking about that. Now, speaking of thinking about it, here's what it says. Throughout the scriptures, we find the stories of courageous and godly women whose influence and character have touched the lives of thousands and shaped the course of history. Adam must have flipped when he first cast a gaze on the girl of his dreams. Woman was God's final crowning touch on creation. It's the last thing he did. It was the last thing he did. It was. It made it at last perfect and complete. She truly was the last thing that God had created. And in the early days of cinema, the term leading lady was used to describe the actress who played the most prominent role. And that's why the topic title is called Leading Lady. She was the star that shone above all the rest. God, too, needs leading ladies who will surrender their lives to play a starring role for his glory. And so the older women are supposed to teach the young women. And uh, so, ladies, you have the opportunity to be a, a good role model, an example to the young women. Uh, and you can use your wisdom and your experience and what you learned from experience to teach them and to humbly tell them what you found out maybe the hard way about some things as well. And I would encourage you to do that. Um, every year when Valentine's rolls around, I think about my mom's story and how that years ago, she, her and my dad went to a Valentine's banquet and uh, they were playing this newlywed game and uh, you know they take the the husbands out and they ask the wives all these questions and then they take the the brides out and they ask the husbands all the same questions and then they laugh at how that the questions aren't the same and they laugh at the newlyweds because they don't really know each other like they think to do or whatever it might be or they get very different answers and it's usually kind of a fun thing and uh, one of the particular questions was when's the first time you kissed your husband and the young woman said when we got married on our wedding day and my mom elbowed my dad and said, oh, that's funny. Wait till you, that is hilarious. So then the da guy came in and the, and the young, the women went out and they asked the, the different men. And when they got to that particular husband, he said, yeah, on my wedding day. And my mom was surprised. She, seriously? Who does that? You know? And uh, because my mom didn't, that wasn't the first day she kissed my dad, wedding day. But afterwards, she went home that night and she thought, you know what? I want my daughter to say that. I want my kids to learn that. And, uh, and I remember hearing her years later when I was married and pastoring. I remember she was visiting our church and she was sitting next to a young mother. And she said, she told that story to that mother. She said, it just impressed me. And I wanted to pass it on. She said, because I couldn't say that about me. But I wanted to pass it on to you to make that a goal for your children. And there's lots of little things like that that we can encourage uh, our younger people and encourage them to do better than we did in, in areas of our life. And uh, there's certainly uh, ways that we could take what we've experienced and teach others also. So it, this really is for every age group. Last week was about the guys. Tonight's about the ladies. So number one, lies about ladies. The lie of the Hollywood stereotype. 
the lie of the Hollywood stereotype. And the Bible says that Satan is the father of lies. Modern television and cinema usually portray a, a distorted view of womanhood. In the eyes of the movie makers, a godly lady or teen girl can never measure up to the world's standard of success. And, and let me just say, the video camera is a very unfair tool because whoever's managing the thing can use it however angle they want and, and to show whatever they want. And, and that's why listening or watching TV news is really kind of a, you know, it's a, it's, it's theater, really. It, everything is, everything behind a camera is really just, you know, suspect to whoever's manipulating the, the video camera and whatnot. And so be careful of the lies that you think are, are true. And uh, I don't know who doesn't like this already, but somebody's car is honking at us. Uh, the Hollywood woman. All right. So we have number one, if you want to fill in the blanks on the one column, you're going to have the Hollywood woman on the other column, you're going to have God's word. So on the one column you have beautiful. All right. She's got to be beautiful. Well, Proverbs chapter 31, 30, if you want to write the blank on the other side, favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Now, naturally, we all enjoy beauty, all right? But understand that there's an inward beauty that most people never see and Hollywood can never portray. So understand that it is not so important that the, that the outward is what is the most important important. Number two, aggressive and assertive, aggressive and assertive. All right. Uh, and, and, and Hollywood of course pushes this and, and we can talk about that and our society pushes this and, and we, we we're programmed to think this, but, um, first Peter chapter three, verse three and four talking about, uh, women here, it says, who's adorning, let it not be the outward adorning of the plating of the hair or the wearing of gold or putting on of apparel. Now, obviously it's not saying you can't plate your hair or you can't wear any gold because it talks about putting on apparel. You're supposed to do that. But that, that's not the major priority. Rather, verse four, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is of great price. And so it is not necessarily a strength to be aggressive and assertive. Now, when we, we read Proverbs 31, you're going to see that there's certainly, uh, words, they were not wallflowers. A godly lady is not a wallflower. Anyway, number three, career-oriented rather than family-oriented. That's a huge push in our world today. I mentioned it last week, I think it was, or sometime where, you know, Hannah had the same grades as Caleb did almost, and someone was saying, well, why don't you get a degree? Because I don't need a degree. I plan on being a wife. Uh, yeah, but what if you get divorced? Well, I don't plan on that. You know, that's not what I'm aiming for. What if you get divorced? You're going to need a career. No, you don't need a career. Uh, you just need to trust the Lord and, uh, and, and not plan on being self-made in that way. Proverbs 31 verse 27 says, uh, she looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. She takes care of her home. There's lots of other passages. There's also Titus chapter two, Titus chapter two, verse five. And uh, I'm, I'm saying it so that you'll write the references down and you can look them up later. But as, as uh, I'm reading the verses, you can at least be writing down the references. Titus chapter 2. Uh, let me see. Titus chapter 2 and verse 5, it says to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. There's such a value, value to... Uh, mothers who take the time to guide the house 
and to teach the young people uh, things that the dad doesn't have the time or it might not necessarily be his job to teach them. And so what a blessing uh, that mothers can be just in guiding the house and teaching discipline in the home. Dad shouldn't be the only one that disciplines because mom spends way more time with them than dad does in a lot of times. First Timothy chapter 2, First Timothy chapter 2, verse 12. But I suffer not a woman to teach or usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Adam was first formed, then Eve. Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. And uh, and so, verse 15, notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. And so there's different passages here that we can look at concerning not career-oriented, not taking the lead or taking the authority. That was the, that was the way. In fact, that was the American way. Our early days of our country, men were the only ones who voted. Not because women are stupid, but because men were the leaders of their home. And, and it's real simple. If women are following their husbands, then all they're going to do is vote the same as their husbands. So all you're going to do is double the vote. What's the point of that? You know why women's suffrage got started? Because men became slobs. Men became unfaithful and unreliable. And women said, good grief, we can't count on these bums to vote correctly so we want to vote and everyone today thinks that women's suffrage is a good thing truly what it is is a symptom of a bad thing it wasn't necessary it's the beginning of of the end and so now we have all kinds of stuff and craziness going on in our world as it gets worse and worse number four the other thing that a hollywood woman is is told to be and and it pushes is sexy loose and easy all right that's what they're taught to be. Proverbs chapter 5 says otherwise, though, in, in, in this. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 3 and 4. For the lips of a strange woman drop as in honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil, but her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps take hold on hell. If that's the type of woman she is, you're in trouble if you go that route. And many very strong men have been defeated by a worldly woman. Tonight, Joshua just told the story of Samson. What a dummy. What a, I mean, you read that story and it's like, you dingling. But he's not the only dingling that's been fooled by a woman. All because of lust. Number five. Number five. Uh, a Hollywood woman supposedly is oppressed by men. Men are her biggest problem. Not so. Not not, according, not if not if the man is a godly man. Not if the man is following the word of God. He's not going to be that kind of a man. All right. Hebrews, James, First uh, and Second Peter. I'm going to go to First Peter chapter three. First Peter chapter three, and uh, verse five and six. I'll just read this to you again. Uh, I'm going to read the next verses. I read the first previous verses, but First Peter chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection to their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters are ye, as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. Uh, this idea of not submitting to your husband, or and I understand it makes it a whole lot easier if your husband is a good man and easy to submit to. However, when you don't do your job, ladies, you're disobeying God. And the Bible says that a submissive godly wife can win an ungodly man to God by her example, by her testimony. 
Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Genesis 2, 18, it says, The Lord God said, It is not good that a man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. I don't know which translation it is, but there's this new version out there that says, and help contrary to him. Well, that's exactly what I want in the morning, someone contrary. No, that's a dumb thing. What, what in the world are they thinking? No, a help meet for him. A help that fits him well, meets him, meet for him. M-E-E-T. And out of the ground, the Lord formed all these different animals, and male and female, but then he showed Adam, you don't have a Mrs. Adam. And God brought the woman to the man. All right, so uh, they're not to be oppressed by men, and they and they aren't. If they're and I think you've pro some of the older folks probably have heard this: barefoot and pregnant. That's not that's not what the Bible teaches. But that's that's the attitude, and that's what people say. Oh, that poor that poor Christian woman. She's just listen. That ought not be the case. Now we've had I think once in a while we've had someone come in and they've got you know fifteen children. And, and there's nothing wrong with having 15 children as long as you are properly taken care of. But if the husband's a slob and the wife is just absolutely dragging herself around, then there's something wrong with that man. That's not responsibility. And so I love it when there is a large family and they come into the restaurant and everyone's like, are they all yours? But then after a while, they're like, Whoa, not only are they all yours, but they're all well-behaved and happy. Clue. I mean, that should be one of the most important evidence <clears throat> is that your children are actually happy and well-behaved. And that should be the sign that we give, not, <clears throat> well, we're Christians and, and we do this and we do this. And, it's like, and yet there's no evidence of anything benefiting from it. That's bad. That's wrong. And you see that a lot. Um, I've said often that sometimes homeschoolers are a terrible example. You know, they homeschool for all the wrong reasons, um, and and it, it, whatever it is, we we preach we preach something or say we're something. We better back it up. Uh, when when Daniel challenged them and said, "Don't you know? I want a purpose in my heart to do it God's way." In Daniel chapter one, he said, "Give us two weeks and see if we're not better than the others." If you're going to claim that your way is right, it better be backed up by your example. You know, it better be obvious that the that the proof's in the pudding. Um, otherwise, the Hollywood crowd's going to laugh at you and, and point fingers at you, and they love you. You know, they love to do so. They never do news stories on someone who's successful as a Christian. But boy, when they find some religious guy that looks nutty or whatever, that there'll be a news story. Number six. Sometimes more masculine than feminine. Unfortunately, sometimes, uh, and, and we see that today. I mean, right now we're seeing it in a huge push. But I think about, and, and I've never watched it, have no desire to for several reasons. Number one, there's not enough clothes on the person. But there's this superhero called Wonder Woman. And I guess they made a movie recently, you know. And, and I'm not going to watch it, first of all, for the lack of clothing. The secondly... It's all about a woman being a man, you know, being being the tough guy, you know, and and, and her boyfriend, you know, and and it's it's just it looks more like Wonder Man, all right. Um, the Bible teaches opposite, you know. In First Corinthians chapter eleven, verse fourteen and fifteen, the Bible says it's a shame for a man to have long hair. You know, the 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 lady the lady is the one to have the longer hair than the man, and our world says vice versa. Now our world twists everything around. 
And Deuteronomy 22.5 says that a woman should not wear that which pertains to a man. A man should not put on a woman's garment. And so what we see is the opposite of that. And you see these macho women uh, and these wimpy feminine guys. Uh, there's this huge push for men to just be feminine, to be wimpy, to be uh, non-aggressive. And, and, and at the same time, for the women to be the aggressive one and to be the go-getter and the leader of the home. And that's not the Bible way. And it doesn't result well. It doesn't end well. All right. We'll keep going. The TV teen girl. Um, she's, she, it's all about her looks. All right. It's all about her looks. Uh, I know the old, the old um, phrase that was used was eye candy. Have you ever heard of that? Eye candy. And uh, that's, that's again, same thing as on the previous column. And, and then Proverbs 31 verse 30 is, is the verse that you can write next to that. Proverbs 31 30. Favor is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. First Samuel 16, 7. You can write that one down. First Samuel 16, 7 for the same number one point. Uh, God sees the heart. Man looks on the outward, but God sees the heart. All right? Young girls in here, we've got young ladies in here. Of course, looking good is something that's important to you. I, I, I agree, all right? That's, I'm not just saying it, that you shouldn't focus on that at all. But I hope that it is always so, and I do believe that our young ladies, this is so right now, I hope it is always so that you're more beautiful inside than you are outside, that that is truly what is the most attractive thing about you is the inside. Because one of the verses we read a little while ago talked about corruptible, which is not corruptible. Because you know what? The outside is corruptible. Don't want to get myself in trouble with the older ladies in here, but the outside is corruptible. Okay? That's why makeup starts to sell more. The outside changes. Just recently I was talking to a pastor and he and he mentioned this, and I've said the same thing. If you're going to wear makeup, wear it so that nobody can tell if you got it on or not. If everybody can notice you got it on, you got too much on. Uh, be careful and just don't overdo it and don't emphasize so much the outward. It should be inward that is the most important. Number two, all the guys like her. She is popular and sexy in actions and attitudes. It was a shock to me when I found out that there are girl magazines, magazines written and, and, and I don't even know now, but 20 years ago, I knew this magazines written for teenage girls to read and, and college age girls to read that gave them suggestions of how to allure a guy, how to do subtle things to get his attention and to turn him off. I couldn't believe that that is what was selling, but it was. It is. And so a lot of guys follow that. They're allured by that. And so that looks very promising and very uh, alluring to the woman to, to, to think that they might have that kind of attention. Proverbs chapter 6, verse uh, 23 through and following. Proverbs 6, 23 uh, to uh, 26. Proverbs 6, 23. For the commandment is a lamp, the law is light, the proofs, reproofs of instruction are the way of life to keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman. 
Lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. For by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread, and the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. Let me stop and say something to the guys. Be careful of the woman whose eyes are not modest. I don't know if anybody in here fully understands what I'm saying, but a modest woman doesn't have wanton eyes. The Bible calls it shame-faced. In other words, they're not trying to catch your attention and stare at you and look at you and catch your eyes. There's something not good about that. The eyes say a lot. The eyes communicate. And a woman who's flirtatious and who's thinking things will message with her eyes. Be careful. And young ladies, I know the world teaches that. And if you watch some of these movies, you'll see that. You'll see how they'll look and whatnot. Watch it. They're teaching you to do something you ought not do. Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells us that our body should be a living sacrifice. All right? And 1 Peter chapter 2, I think I may have read this one already. I've gone through so many already. But 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 3 and 4 again. 1 Peter 2. Verse three and four. No, this is new. Um, no, I might. Ha I think I have the wrong passage there. So we're going to skip that and keep going. Sorry about that. Number three, few restrictions from authority. Teenage girl doesn't listen to anybody. Teenage girl, average teenage girl, not very many restrictions. I can do whatever I want. Uh, the Bible says in Romans thirteen one that we need to obey them that are in authority. Uh, we need to be in obedience to our parents. Colossians chapter 3, verse 20. We need to obey our parents. Ephesians 6, 1, obey our parents. Uh, Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 20 is another one. I, and again, I'm, I'm saying these fast, but if you just write the references down, you can see it later. My son, keep my, thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother. Don't, don't be disobedient. And, and, and guys, if she's disobedient, like I said last week, if she's disobedient to her authority, you stay away from her. Because how in the world do you expect her to obey you if she's not going to obey her dad? And, and, and you need to watch out for that. That needs to be something you think about. And girls, if you have any good sense at all, you better be submissive to your God-given authority. And that starts with your dad. I know many of you have heard me say this before. And some of you saw it, saw me do it. Last March, 11 months ago, I stood right here. Didn't want to do it, but I did it. And with my daughter in my arm, they said, who gives this woman? And I very reluctantly said, I do. And then I placed her hand into the hand of her new man. Up until that point, I was her man. See, girls are supposed to have one guy in their life, starting with their dad, and then on the day that the dad hands her over to the new man, she's got a new guy in her life. And that's what I did 11 months ago. I had to place my daughter's hand into that bum's hand that you're going to meet him next week. No. But you know what? The dad is the first person to say I do at a wedding. Because that's the way it's... God, God didn't design for young ladies to be out on their own. God designed for ladies to have a man in their life. Dad, husband. That's how it's supposed to be. 
And Hannah went from dad to husband. And, and what happens is, is if dad isn't in her life, if dad isn't really caring about her, or if dad isn't taking authority like he should, if mom's running, whatever it might be, girls get the wrong idea of authority. So then when they get handed off to a man, they don't really see him as being the authority either. Think about it. Number four, manipulates her parents, teachers, peers, and boys. She's manipulative of her parents, her teachers, her other friends, and boys. That's not the type of girl you want. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 19, a false witness that speaketh lies. You don't want that. Proverbs 6, verse 26. For by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread. That's what happened to Samson. Chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. 7, 21 through 23. With her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. He goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter, as a fool to the correction of the stocks, till a dart strike through his liver, as a bird hasteth to the snare, and knoweth not that it is for his life. I'm so thankful that I had enough Bible as a young man to recognize that I don't want that kind of a woman running my life. I mean, she might be beautiful, but she's not that beautiful enough for me to just go ahead and follow her around like a like a a cow with a ring in his nose, and she's pulling me around and I'm doing everything she wants. Man, I've seen guys like that. I don't want to be one. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. Don't cover up. Don't, don't lie and, and fake it and pretend. And then Proverbs 30 again. Proverbs 30, 11 through 14. There is a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes, yet is not washed from their filthiness. There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. So watch out for that type of a young person. And by the way, the movies and the TV shows teach the exact opposite of the Bible. So remember, television is not a good place to find a role model. These images are unrealistic and exaggerated. So let her be the lie of worldly values. Many teen girls judge themselves and their worth by using this false system of values. All right, number one, here's a worldly value they use, beauty. The world says that a girl must be beautiful to be accepted and, and successful. Some are born with natural beauty, that's a fact. Others have to work at it. Every young lady should strive to look her Christian best. But who are you to call an object of God's creation and love ugly? Guys don't ever call any girl ugly. In the in times past, and, and even in the old TV shows like Andy Griffith, sometimes you'd see Barney would say, oh, she's a dog. That's a terrible, listen, she, she's created in God's image. And shame on us to call what God made ugly. Maybe God made her the way she is for a reason. And maybe what doesn't look very attractive on the outside, <laughs> the inside is very beautiful. Be careful what you decide. What, what, what wrong and carnal thinking that is. But the world says beauty. Beauty is such a valuable thing for a woman. Secondly, sexual attractiveness. The teen girl who attracts a young man on the basis of sex is likely to use him on, lose him on the same basis. 
Boy, isn't that the truth. If that's how you caught him, that's how you're going to have to keep him. Too few Christian girl teens have the courage to do it God's way. You know what God's way is? Pray and wait. Pray and wait. You know Proverbs 18.22 says, Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing. But you know Proverbs never says, Whoso findeth a husband. You know why that is? Because the women aren't supposed to be doing the hunting. The world says you better put all the charms on you can and try to snag one. No, the Bible says the men are supposed to find the wife. The world's way is for her to try to do the snagging. And, and usually most of them are unhappy with what they snagged. Number three, status. Wealth and social status are only temporary. They can both be lost overnight. Never sacrifice God's favor to gain the favor of per persons, people. Number four, worldly value, fashion. Let's face it, fashion and clothing are identity with teens. It is so important to them and to most adults too. But expensive clothes and designer fashions may be turning everyone's head, but God's. It isn't necessary that we have the latest and greatest fashions. It isn't necessary that a certain tag or brand uh, sticks out and, and, and somehow makes us identified as something number or letter C the lie of inferiority the lie of inferiority many young men believe two common myths about girls there are two things that that a lot of young men believe about girls that are wrong number one that women are inferior that's a myth women are not inferior and women are not superior and women are not even equal they are different. They're not inferior, they're not superior, and they're not equal. They're different. God made male and female each with a distinct and different purpose, which goes far beyond simple biology. So they're not inferior. Number two, women are the weaker sex. Now that sounds like the opposite of what we just said. But First Peter chapter 3, verse 7 <clears throat> is a key verse for me to read, and I'll stop and read it here. I should have been flipping to it, but First Peter chapter 3 and verse 7, and that's passage I've already been read, reading all the other verses. Now I'm going to read this one. Likewise, ye husbands will dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life. Now, this text is for those who are married. A husband is to respect his wife as if she were a piece of fine and precious glassware but never to assume that she is a piece of fine and precious glassware. In other words, she's not an object, but she's to be treated as if she's very precious like a glass vase, worth a lot, but can be easily shattered if you don't do it, handle it right. Does that make sense? But not an object, a human being who is the weaker vessel and yet not inferior. Hey girls, don't waste time on a guy who looks down on you or tries to manipulate you like one of his toys and just treats you like you're just the weaker sex, but rather treats you like you are a valuable yet precious and fragile person that needs to be well protected because of your value. Number two, leadership for ladies. 
to find the truth about what a young lady really ought to be, there's only one reliable source of information, and that's going to be the Bible. So the truth, not the lies, but the truth is, number one, salvation. The best leading which any girl, uh, teen girl to follow is to receive Christ as their Savior. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And so you need to be born again. You need to be saved. And guys, you ought not even consider someone that wasn't saved. Secondly, inward beauty. Inward beauty. A woman's outward adornment must never be allowed to mask her inward beauty and spiritual strength. It doesn't matter if you do put on outward adorning as long as it's not the most adorning you have. No matter what your outward looks like, you ought to be even more beautiful on the inside. It would be better for you to go without any outward adorning and be beautiful on the inside than to spend so much time emphasizing the outward and never caring about what your inward looks like. The outward adornment should never be the most important. Her inner walk with Christ should dominate her personality. Outward adornment should not call attention to you. You should call attention to Christ. It's not modest if you're wanting people to look at you. That's not modest, that's pride. It's the opposite of modest. Modest is when you don't want people to look at you, you want them to look at the Lord and to th think about someone else. So 1 Peter 3, 3 and 4, who's adorning? Let it not be the outward adorning of the plating of the hair, the wearing of gold, or putting on of apparel. It's not saying you can't have any of that. It's just saying that ought not be the emphasis. But let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. And we all know it's true. We love and appreciate the inward. Don't tell her I said this. And because she doesn't have internet, I know she can't hear me. But I think Mrs. Slagle colors her hair white. I don't think Mr. Adams does, but I think Mrs. Slagle does. But you know what? I think Mrs. Slagle is a very attractive person and it has nothing to do with what she looks like. I think her inner person is very attractive, very sweet, very, very beautiful on the inside. I forget how old she is because she's such a sweet lady. I just forget she's fragile, truly, physically, but she's a blessing. And uh, we have other ladies in our church that are as well, but since she's not here tonight, I'll brag on her. And since she has no internet, she might not ever hear this. And so I just want to tell you, you all know that's true. I mean, you love Mrs. Slegel, but not because she looks pretty, although she does. She does look pretty. But because of the inward, that's what you, that's what you love about her. And you, you've loved her for years because of the inward. Okay? And understand, as you get older, it's not going to be the hour. Sure, whatever. Whatever you need to do the outward, fine. But the inward's the most important. That's what people are going to remember. Now, word study. What is that word adorning? Adorning or adornment. The word adornment in this verse in 1 Peter comes from the Greek word cosmeo, from which we get our word cosmetic. And cosmeo has a root word cosmos. And that is the word world, the cosmos. So literally, adornment refers to that which we put on for the world to see. 
the world sees our cosmetic. All right? So I have a question. What does the world see about you? What is the most adorning thing about you that the world sees? All right. The third truth, influence. Women have tremendous power of influence. One reason that Satan approached Eve first was because he knew her power of influence. She could convince Adam. And did you know that that's exactly what happened? Adam chose to disobey God because he knew that he'd lose Eve if he didn't. Number four, modesty. Never wear anything which could cause a young man to lust after you. The world says the exact opposite. The world pushes it to be tighter and more revealing. Neither should you wear so little that it could cause a young man to lust after you. He has enough problems of his own. Don't add to them. 1 Timothy 2, 9 through 12 talks about. Truth number five, virtue. Nothing in a lady exceeds the value of virtue. Who can find a virtuous woman? Proverbs 31.10. Virtuous woman. It's, it's so valuable. What does virtuous mean? Having moral excellence. They're just morally excellent. An ethical purity. Ethical purity. A collection of ability, abilities which empower you to do good. Virtue. All right. Many girls are lacking in virtue. Number six, discretion. A beautiful young lady who has no discretion is like a golden jewel in a pig's nose. That's what Proverbs eleven twenty two says, like a jewel of gold in a swine's snout. So is a woman without discretion. You need discretion. Every girl needs self-discipline and self-control so that she can make the right decisions. Have you ever seen a beautiful girl with a slob of a boyfriend? It's like, what in the world are you thinking? Maybe it's because she never had a man in her life as a, as a dad and she's just looking for someone. I don't know, but there's a lot of young ladies out there that don't have good discretion. And so it's like taking a beautiful, valuable jewel of gold and sticking it in a pig's nose. It's like, that's not where it goes. It's in the wrong place. That shouldn't be there. Discretion. All right, number three, we have some legendary ladies in the Bible. There's some examples in the Bible that you should read about. Mary, Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2, the mother of Jesus. Mary's moral purity and godly character made her God's choice. Do you think God paid any attention to what kind of young woman he wanted to be the virgin mother of Christ? Obviously, he was going to pick someone he knew was godly and pure. Let her be. <clears throat> Esther. You read the story of Esther. She stood courageously to save her people. She had to have courage to do what she did because uh, she could have been killed for it. Let her see. There's a lady named Dorcas. Her other name is Tabitha in Acts chapter 9. Dorcas was full of good works and alms deeds so much that God gave her a second opportunity. She died. She literally died. And so many people prayed and said, this woman is so great for us in our church. She was such a godly woman. We need her. Would you, and, and, and God allowed her to be brought back to life uh, for her service to those people before taking her home to heaven. And then another legendary lady, this one's negative, Jezebel. Nobody calls their daughter Jezebel, at least not any person with a, any brains do. Legends can be both good and bad. 
Jezebel's legacy was the worst. It's hard to find someone more worse than Jezebel. She was a wicked, murderous feminist who pulled the political strings of a nation through her weak husband, Ahab. She manipulated Ahab. You want to see the Hollywood woman, Jezebel was it. In fact, the day she died, it says she put on her makeup and tired her hair. So, And, and probably Jezebel was a beautiful, outwardly beautiful woman. She was wicked on the inside. And the day that she died, she dressed herself up and looked out at Jehu. Oh. And he said, who's up there on my side? Throw her down. Two guys grabbed her and flung her over. Then he ran her over with his chariot. Jezebel was a wicked woman on the inside. But if I, if I guess right, she probably wasn't ugly on the outside. Understand that a lot of times, guys, you can be fooled by what looks like on the outside. Now, another positive legend was Ruth. You read the story of Ruth. Girls, you ought to be reading about these women. Ruth left her childhood home in Moab to live with the people of God. She allowed God to give her the man of her dreams, which was Boaz. And it's a, it's a wonderful story. We're going to start teaching it in Anchor Club next week. The story of Ruth and how that she chose not to be a Moabite, but to be an Israelite. And God led her to Boaz, and she became the great-grandmother to King David and to Jesus himself. And then letter F, Hannah. Hannah's legendary faith was seen when she prayed for a son, and her boy went on. God gave her a boy, and he went on to become Samuel, the great prophet Samuel. All right, so let's go to Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs chapter 31, and we'll, we'll be finishing tonight. Proverbs 31, verse 10. Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. Guys, if you start to get involved with some young lady and you find her not to be trustworthy, stop the relationship. She is honest and trustworthy. If she's not, get away from her. Number 12, she will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She's loyal and committed. She's loyal and committed. What a blessing if you have a wife that you can trust and that you know she's not going to do you evil but good. Number, let her see. She is not lazy but industrious. Look at verse 13. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She's not a wallflower. She's a hard worker. She's just not a career woman. In other words, she's not trying to work outside the home. She's working for the home. She's not lazy but industrious and finds satisfaction in hard work. Verse 14, she is like the merchant ships. She bringeth her food from afar. She has really neat ideas. She's thrifty and wise. She finds out neat ways to bring in maybe new ideas and, and, and maybe healthy things or whatever it might be that's good for her and good for her family. Verse 15, she riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She's self-disciplined. She's self-disciplined. She gets up late in the evening and takes care of things, and she's, she's, she just has that discipline about her. And I don't know why it is, and, and I don't think I'm the only guy, but when the baby's crying in the crib in the next room, a lot of times the guys can't hear it, but mom can hear just a little fuss, and she's up and at it. Next morning, she'll say, boy, did you, did you hear Caleb crying all night? Nope, never heard a word. Ah! <sighs> 
she'll get frustrated. You didn't hear nothing, no. Stored right through it. But that's because God's given her that ability and she takes care of her home. Verse 15, she rises also and gives meat to her household. She, she takes care of food-wise. She can cook. It's good for you to learn how to cook. My mom didn't. My mom's parents divorced. My mom's parents divorced. My, my grandpa was a doctor. My mom's real mom was a cook, but she didn't live with her real mom. She lived with her dad most of the time. My mom's stepmother was a good cook, but didn't want to teach her anything. It wasn't her kid. She wasn't going to teach her. And the doctor's lifestyle was the country club. And so they go out to eat a lot. And my mom can play tennis and golf. And she's what? I'm not going to say how old she is, but she's old. She's in her 70s. And she could probably be anybody in this room in a game of tennis or golf. But when it came time to get married, she could hardly boil water. Now, it won't ruin your marriage, but it does make it a little bit of a strain and a stress. It's good to learn that stuff. That's a good thing to learn. <clears throat> and young girls, take, take opportunity to learn. You'll not regret it, and your husband will surely appreciate it uh, if you can cook. Letter G, she has foresight and is a good business manager. Verse 16, she considereth a field and buyeth it, and with the fruit of her hand she planteth a vineyard. See, she's not just sitting at home twiddling her thumbs. She's she's got good business sense. She knows a good deal when she sees it, and she takes care of business. She, she's a blessing to her family. Verse 17, she girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She takes care of herself physically. She's, she's not flabby or wimpy. Verse 18, she perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle, her candle goeth not out by night. Um, she has uh, a sense of self-respect. She can tell that she's got good merchandise. And she's conscientious and uses her time wisely. She's not wasting time. Um, she even burns the candle at both ends if necessary. She's not just wasting time. And then verse 19, she layeth her hands to the spindle. Her hands hold the distaff. She's skilled with her hands. She can sew. She knows how to operate a sewing machine. I probably told you this before, but when I knew that I was going to marry Miss Wilma long before she knew it, I bought her a Singer sewing machine. What a romantic gift that was. I mean, we, we, you know, we were girlfriend, boyfriend, and, and I bought her a sewing machine. And, of course, I did it on the layaway plan because I couldn't afford to just outright buy it. I was so proud of myself when I gave her a sewing machine. All the other young guys were giving their girlfriends something, you know, like roses or chocolate or something like that. I gave her a sewing machine. I'm sure that was the dumbest, laughed-at, unromantic gift in the world. But you know what? She still has it. And she's used it a lot more than roses. Uh, but, and by the way, I didn't just give her a sewing machine. I've given her other things too. Washing machine. No, just kidding. But seriously, she ought to know how to do things with her hands. What a blessing, especially nowadays. It's hard to find good, it's hard to find good clothing. It's hard, it's hard to find decent clothing. And uh, what an awesome thing if you can sew. And then letter L, verse 20. She stretcheth out her hands to the poor. She reacheth forth her hands to the needy. L, she is compassionate and self-sacrificing. She's compassionate. She's not selfish. Verse 21, 
She's not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She's concerned for the needs of her household, and she takes care, makes sure that they're well-dressed and taken care of. Also, she accepts responsibility and plans ahead. When the snow comes, like the ant, she's prepared for when the snow comes. And then verse 22, she maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. She's careful about her personal appearance. She thinks about it. She takes care of that. Verse 23, her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She's supportive of her husband. She's supportive. And Q, verse 24, she maketh fine linen and selleth it and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Uh, it says in verse 20, letter Q, she is thrifty, ambitious, and uses her talents wisely. Um, there's nothing evil or sinful about hitting a, a golf ball or a tennis ball. But in the big picture, it doesn't really do your family a whole lot of good if you can hit a tennis ball really well. You know what I'm saying? I'm using my mom as an example. And she knows that. She's not embarrassed by that. But it, it, it's just, and yet... It's, I, I see it right here in Custer, and I'm sure it's in every every town. If you can do this well, you are something in our town. But I'm telling you, when you get to be age 25 or 30, it really won't matter if you can do that well. It just won't. But it's so pushed. For what? It doesn't... It, and, and I'd like to go around to all the parents in the bleachers and say, and what had it, and what has it done for you? And why are you pushing it so hard on them? I mean, it's important that we know how to do stuff and play sports is good. I like to watch sports and it's fun and we should know how to do it. But the emphasis on it is so over the top. Our world is drunk on sports, it seems like. Um, and so uses her talents wisely, thinking about thinking about future instead of just the present. Uh, and then verse 25, strength and honor are her clothing and she shall rejoice in time to come. Her dominant features are strength of character and a personal honor. That's her dominant features. That's more important than just beauty by itself. Letter S, <clears throat> she is, has the control of her tongue. Verse 26, she openeth her mouth with wisdom and in her tongue is the law of kindness. Uh, she controls her tongue. Her speech is characterized by wisdom and kindness. Verse 27, she looketh well to the ways of her household, eateth not the bread of idleness. She's not lazy or idle, and she doesn't shirk from her responsibilities. Verse 28, her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praiseth her. She is respected and appreciated by her own family. That should be the most important thing to her. Not the praise of her boss. Why does she need one? Not the praise of other men, other men somewhere else, but her own family. There's that, there's a country song. I don't remember hardly any of the words, but it's about this rodeo queen. This rodeo queen. And all I remember is the phrase, not everything that glitters is gold. She's the rodeo queen, but here back home, she's not much to us. I think it's supposed to be the husband or whatever singing about her. She's a rodeo queen, but not everything that glitters is gold. 
And we need to recognize that the most important people in your life should be your family and your immediate family, your husband, your kids. She's respected and appreciated. Verse 28 also, she would make a very good mother for children. She's a good mother. She knows how to be. She's learned. She's watched others, ladies, and learned how. Verse 29, many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. She stands out when compared to other women. She just stands out that way. And verse 30, favor is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. She has an inward beauty. And verse 31, give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates she commands the respect and admiration of others. So this self-test, it says, where do I stand? Girls, are you a Proverbs 30 wonderful girl? Are you a Proverbs 30 wonderful girl? How many of those 25 things that we went through, we went A to Y, almost A to Z. How many of the 25 characteristics in chapter 31 of Proverbs would, would be of you? Has there ever been a clear cut time in your life when you got saved? Do you wear modest and feminine fashions? And in the space below, what, what will you commit to work on in the areas that you know are not right right now? And will you pray now and ask God for help and guidance in each of those areas? And boys, I hope you were paying attention tonight because you should have got as much out of this as the girls. What are you looking for in a young lady? Perhaps your eye on a particular girl how many of the 25 qualities does she actually meet? And have you ever set a standard for the things that you're expecting in a Christian young lady? And are you willing to pray now and ask God to help you find that kind of a, of a wife? That's wisdom. And you guys that aren't married yet, you've got great potential. And you're not wasted. Don't waste it. And one thing you can do yourself a big favor in is to get rid of the movies that push all the wrong things and to get rid of the music that pushes all the wrong things and get rid of any of the stuff in your life or friends in your life that are pushing all the wrong things. Just get rid of it. Why would you listen to it and watch it if it's teaching the opposite of what we just talked about tonight? You're just going to confuse and frustrate yourself. Don't do that. That makes it even harder for you to make the wise decisions. All right. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word and we thank you for opportunity to teach to young and old alike. Help the older ones in here to appreciate and to pray and to be concerned for the young people. Help us to always realize that young people are bombarded like never before. Even when I was a teenager, I didn't have a device in my pocket that could, that could put pictures of, and pornography right in my pocket. But today, young people have devices in their pockets and their purses that can tempt them in all kinds of ways. And today, the movies and TV shows are worse than they've ever been. Help us to be aware of that. Help us to be very concerned and praying for our young people and praying for wisdom for them and then encourage them in that way and, and, and remind them of that and, and help them to see that we want them to succeed. Help the young ladies to be Proverbs 31 girls. Help the young men to desire that and to be the men that they should be. Help us to be a people that are different because we followed a book while the rest of the world didn't. Help us to not be Hollywood manufactured, but instead be biblical in all that we do. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.